This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. Hi and welcome. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. Beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg. And uh, great to be coming to you live and thank God well from the studio of Chai FM on Judaism 101.9. As you know, uh, in our slot of Judaism 101.9, we very, very often... Um, digress a little bit, go off uh, the topic of what is actually just happening up front in this coming week or during this period of time. And it's particularly pertinent in the month of Cheshvan, because in this month of Cheshvan right now, as we well know, it is often referred to as Mar Cheshvan, the bitter Cheshvan. Why is it bitter? Is because there are no Yamim Tovim, there are no special um, festival special dates during this uh, month and it is the month after we had so much going on in the month of Tishrei from Rosh Hashanah all the way through to Shabbat Breshit what a jam-packed month full of uh, beautiful beautiful events and different spiritual journeys and different wonderful emotional events and happenings Chagim and so on and then we come to Mar Cheshvan, and it's really about kind of getting back to the ordinary and making the ordinary special. And so therefore, perhaps, certainly for the next couple of weeks, we will digress a little bit from uh, just time-bound topics or things that are bound particularly to this month and get back to um, some of the stuff that we have done um, in these kind of times and these kind of occasions, thinking about um, happenings, events, stuff that goes on on a regular basis in Judaism, and perhaps we need a little bit of a brush-up, a little bit of a refresher, or a little bit of information as to why and what what we actually are doing and why are we, why we are actually doing it. I thought today let's um, discuss, since we have discussed a lot of the uh, Shacharit service and uh, the Mincha service and so on, to spend a little while today talking about Torah reading, the idea of reading publicly from the Torah. It has a pertinence, of course, to every week because you've often heard um, shiurim, you've often heard classes and many a program even on this radio station that deals with the parsha of the week, the portion or the sedra, the um, order of the week as it is and as it is uh, enumerated and as it comes up in the Torah. And we know that there are 53 different parshiot. The Torah was divided into 53 segments. And it's worked out that way because, as we well know, you uh, may be saying there are only 52 weeks in the year. What are we doing with 53 sedras? Well, um, you also know that there could be some chagim. There could be some festivals that occur on Shabbos. Throughout the year, and therefore those um, sedras would not be read in the ordinary run of the mill. They wouldn't be read in the ordinary sequence of those parshiot of those sedras. So we should perhaps have even less. But then, of course, we have a leap year. And in a leap year, there are extra weeks. There can sometimes be uh, many more than 52 weeks in a Jewish calendar year. And therefore, um, 53 is the number. 
It is um, known as the gun of Cedrus. There are 53 different parshiot, and it works out exactly. Yes, sometimes Cedrus, parshiot, have to be coupled together, as we often see. But um, it is worked out, and you can actually get calendars now that you can download almost ad infinitum uh, right until um, a thousand years from now, I guess, that you can just keep on going, and it's all predictable. It is all worked out, and it's all filled in as to which exact parsha pertains to which particular week. But I'm not so much focusing on the idea of the parsha tashavua, the sedra of the week, but rather why we read them. What is the idea of Torah reading in public? Where did it come from? And what it's supposed to do for us? What it's supposed to mean to us? And also then pertaining to the process. Um, what we say and why we say what we say when we take the Torah out of the Arun HaKodesh, out of the Ark, when we are actually um, putting it back into the Arun HaKodesh, um, and so on. The things that pertain to Torah reading and what kind of attitudes, what are we supposed to be doing at that time? Is this just um, like somebody reading us uh, bedtime stories? Is this just um, the reader getting up there and rattling off a whole lot of words that we don't necessarily understand and we're just supposed to sit by and perhaps follow in the chumash and see what they're reading, perhaps if we're accurate in our reading to try and correct the Baal Kore, the reader, if he reads a word or two incorrectly or if he doesn't get the right trop, he doesn't get the right intonation, the right cantillation, sounds as we know that the Torah has to be read what is this really all about? Well, let's think about the awesome moment, and perhaps this will start giving us a bit of a context. The awesome moment when the Torah is removed from the Arun HaKodesh, when the Ark is opened, and we are about to remove the Torah from the Ark in order to take it for its reading. Well, we go through a process, and process number one, I guess, or thought process number one should be that we should be reminded of the moment when God gave us the Torah for the very first time. That certainly was an awesome moment, and we relive that every time the Torah is removed from the ark. We actually physically, practically relive the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. The idea of Moshe Rabbeinu of Moses coming down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, well, here we have it. Um, we open up the Aaron, we open up the ark, we take a look inside, we see the Torah, and hopefully in a shul, more than one Torah, we see them there, and the Torah represents and obviously is God's law and God giving his law to us once again, and we're about to take it. We're about to pick it up, to read from it, to re-receive it once again, and that awesome moment, therefore, needs to be a time when just like the Jewish people stood facing the mountain, we too need to face the Arun HaKodesh, we have to face the Ark, we have to stand because it is the right and respectful and correct thing to do. It doesn't matter where you happen to be in your davening, in your prayers, whether you are in a part that you think, well, you need to be sitting down now and therefore I can remain seated or um, I am saying penitential prayers and therefore I can be leaning or uh, resting my arm on my hand or whatever else it is that you feel that you need to do. No. When the Arona Kodesh opens up, we need to stand, we need to relive that awesome moment of the Torah being given to us again. But we say something interesting at that time which gives us another insight and that is we talk about Vayehi Bin We talk about the Aron, the Ark in the desert, the Ark um, in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. And that Ark, which contained the tablets of stone, it was when it was 
lifted, when it traveled, when it moved, that the whole, it blazed this trail for the whole Jewish people to move as well. And that, of course, is the second image, the idea of the Aron in the desert, of the ark in the desert, being lifted, moving, and directing and guiding the Jewish people. As, of course, we know we were guided by the clouds of glory and the cloud that hovered above the ark, that hovered above the Mishkan. When it traveled, we travel. And when it moved, we move. And therefore, this was the very essence of our lives. When that ark is opened, we stand in awe of that very, very special moment for it to give us the guidance of how we're supposed to move forward in our day, in our week, our month, and our year. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So where is it that we know that we are supposed to read the Torah in public? Um, from where does it come from that we read the Torah in public? Well, the first primary source of uh, reading the Torah in public actually comes from Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Moses himself read the Torah publicly, um, particularly pertaining to Shabbat and the festivals, the Chagim. The Torah records that he read publicly to the Jewish people about keeping Shabbos and about keeping the Yamim Tovim. So we would therefore understand that there is a source, there is a a, a, a actual Torah source for reading the Torah in public, particularly pertaining to Shabbat and Yom Tov. However, it was much later when we um, think about the history of the Jewish people in the time of Ezra the scribe, Ezra HaSofer, who came to the um, beautiful conclusion that um, similar to the way that a Jew can never be without um, a Torah or similar to the fact that a, an individual can never be without water, so a Jew can never be without Torah. So the idea of Torah and water was the basis of his thought process and his analogy. No one can survive without water for longer than three days. And therefore... Based on that, he said we should actually institute a system whereby we ensure that no Jew is without Torah for three days. And how do we do that? Well, pretty simple if you've got people who are sitting and learning Torah all day, every day. It's not a big issue in a yeshiva. It's not a big problem in a place where people are surrounded by Torah all the time. However, what about people who, for instance, are uh, at business? Uh, they are busy in the marketplace. They're busy buying and selling. They're trading. They're going to the office. They're working. They're packing. They're painting. They're doing all sorts of other stuff. How do we try, at least, to make available to everybody the opportunity to have some Torah, public Torah, Readings, something of Torah that can be heard, can be put into the atmosphere and can penetrate into their souls, in their ears, in their eyes. How do we get the uh, Jews of the world, people who perhaps are not that au fait with Torah, who are not surrounded by it all the time, who don't have the opportunity to learn all the time, how do we get them not to ever be without Torah for three days? And so therefore it was Ezra Hasofer, it was Ezra the scribe, who instituted, of course we're going back to uh, temple times, who instituted the idea of public Torah readings on a more regular basis, not just pertaining to Shabbat and Yom Tov, and not just 
when it came to special days, although he instituted those as well, for instance, on fast days, for instance, on Rosh Chodesh, for instance, on uh, the day of the new moon, for instance, on a... Um, um, on Chol Hamoed, on the, the uh, intermediate days of the Chagim, of the festivals. But he also instituted um, the idea of having Torah readings on Monday and Thursday. Now, why did he pick Monday and Thursday? And why, you may ask, is the Torah read on a regular basis um, on a Shabbat morning, on a Shabbat afternoon, every Monday and every Thursday? And the reason, of course, is that Mondays and Thursdays were market days. They were days on which everybody came to the marketplace to trade. And, of course, the idea, the notion was that once you already had a gathering of people, once there was already a tumult and there were people involved in trading in the market, there were the buyers, there were the sellers, there were the shopkeepers, there were the customers, and everybody was gathering in a marketplace, wouldn't it be a grand idea to put somebody into that marketplace arena and uh, for a few minutes pause every little bit of business and get somebody to read out words of Torah aloud and let everybody hear them? It then devolved, I guess, into the fact that this was held, of course, in the synagogues. It was held in the shuls where um, people coming and traveling anyway to the town, to the city, to the village in order to visit um, the marketplace would be able to avail themselves of a unique opportunity of hearing some words of Torah on that particular day so as not to inconvenience anybody, so as not to make it more difficult for anybody. It was instituted that there would be public Torah readings on Mondays and Thursdays, on the market days, when everybody traveled into the towns. Um, and on those particular days, everybody was able to um, ingest, imbibe, and benefit from a public Torah reading. On Shabbat, of course, when everybody is relaxed, when everybody has a little more time, when they're not rushing, rush, rushing with the hustle and bustle of business and the marketplace and occupation and so on, that um, they could spend some time, go to shul, hear the Torah being read. Um, so this was the notion. This was the idea. It was in order to ensure that um, there was a constant flow of Torah into the hearts, minds, and souls of Jews everywhere and on all strata, on all levels of uh, Judaism. It wasn't just Torah for the rabbis. It wasn't just Torah for the very religious. It wasn't just for the yeshiva bachrim or the seminary girls. It was Torah for everybody, made available, brought out there, brought down to the level of each and every individual. And how was it done? Of course, that then developed as well that the Torah readings would be a lot shorter on a Monday and Thursday than they would be on a Shabbat. On a Shabbat, we read a full parsha of the week. And uh, traditionally, we call up on a Shabbat, we call up seven men. So it starts off with a Kohen and a Levi. From the tribe of uh, Levi, we have the Kohanim. Kohen is called first, and then a Levi, and then five other Yisraelim, five other Men are called up to the Torah. Um, an eighth person is called up on a Shabbat for what we call the Maftir. Maftir, which is the additional reading or very often a repeated reading of the last few lines of that particular parsha. And then that person who is called up for the Maftir reads a segment from 
um, the prophets, which is known as the Haftorah, an additional reading taken not from the Torah itself, but from the prophets. And that is the usual Shabbat setup. During the week, we only call up three people, a Kohen, a Levi, and a Yisrael. And we traditionally, usually take the first part, so the part that would be read on Shabbat for the Kohen, it's not always like that, but usually like that, that we take the part that would be read for the Kohen is divided into three segments and um, a portion read for the Kohen, for the Levi, for the Israel. So we are patterning. We are actually embedding and imprinting and emblazoning on everybody's minds and hearts and souls that since we also have this idea of Kohen, Levi, and Israel, that this is something that keeps on the same line and the same tradition as all of uh, Judaism, in fact, that we are um, hinting back, that we are reaching back into the throes of the Beit HaMikdash, of the temple. We're highlighting the Kohanim. We're highlighting the Levium. We're highlighting the role of the Israelim, of the of uh, the regular Jews. We are talking about something that is an Avodat HaKodesh, that is a holy service of God that actually takes place each time that the Torah is read. But our... Um, notion of Torah reading and the idea of how we are to behave or what we should do at the time that the Torah is read and particularly at the time that the ark is opened up is once again a very, very important uh, part of our regular life and of our daily life and particularly of our Jewish life that we need to know that it is a time when not only should we respect the ark and it being open and respect the Torah as it is removed from the ark and it is placed on the podium, on the bima, um, from whence it is read. And the fact that people are being called up to those particular readings. But we need to remember that this is a representative and the Torah itself, while it in itself is so powerful, but it also represents, of course, the Torah that was given to us at Mount Sinai and the idea of the luchot, of the tablets as they were transported together with the Torah scroll in the ark, in the Aron, as it was carried in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Jewish people in the desert. The reverence with which we treat it needs to be of a similar nature to how it was treated in those days, that everybody needs to that everybody should stand. There are some who have the tradition to stand the entire time that the Torah is out of the ark. I once heard a story about a uh, Torah that was transported on an airplane, and there was a um, senior rabbi from Israel who refused to sit down on the plane. I guess he gave the airline staff a bit of a hard time, but he refused to sit down on the airplane the entire trip from uh, Israel to South Africa or vice versa because there was a Torah on the plane. We need to remember that there is a certain reverence and a certain respect that we need to show to the Torah, but at the same time, the awesomeness of exactly what it represents in our lives needs to be thought about and needs to be respected and stood up for as well. Um, it is not to be taken lightly. But at the same time, we are also told that this is a time that is an eight ratzon. It is a special, special time of God's mercy. When the ark is opened, in fact, if you think about it, at all times, we know when the ark is opened, um, we stand, we face the Aaron. It is not opened that often. Um, in all the other festivals and on Shabbat and during the week, but it is certainly opened often, for instance, on days like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And we know that at the time that the ark is opened, it is a special time of mercy, and particularly at the time that the Torah is going to be taken out and the Torah is going to be read. 
time of God's rachamim, of God's mercy. And therefore, if you take a look at the prayers that we say at the time that the ark is opened and when the um, ark is removed, when the Torah is removed from the ark, it is at those times that we say prayers for um, for health, for uh, for well-being, for our families, for God to grant us uh, peace and health and happiness and parnosa, maruba, and all of those wonderful things that we pray for and we hope for of a physical and a spiritual nature, those all are directly prayed for and thought about at the time that the ark is opened. This is a time when God says, listen, my kids, listen, my children. My uh, doors are open. The gateway to my heart, so to speak, is now open, and you can access it. And how do you access this? No, you don't have to jump inside, but you need to remember the seriousness of that time and um, the fact that this is a time of God's great mercy. And it's at this time when God has that great mercy that we can bring forward our requests, that we can ask God for the things that we um, hope that he will grant us of a physical and of a spiritual nature. And therefore, if you think about and you look at these moments when the Torah is uh, removed from the ark, when the ark is opened, and then it is brought, and then it is being read, this is really, really powerful stuff. This is the power of um, um, of God's Torah on earth being revisited, being re-looked at, being re-enjoyed, and re-imbibed, um, um, and re-addressed, and re-connected um, with by each and every Jew, by each and every individual who is present, who is standing there, and who is able to uh, live that moment. And yes, of course, it is on days when the Torah is read that we should try our utmost to pray together with a minion, to be together with the community in a shul, to be able to hear the Torah being read, to be able to enjoy and benefit from those moments and to have that um, moment of rachamim, of mercy, that God uh, grants us each and every time that this actually happens. And so therefore our mindset, our headspace at such a time needs to be such that we understand that this is not just any old part of the service. This is not the time when uh, really you should be spending time uh, running around or going outside or catching up on your on your davening or uh, saying the prayers that you missed in the morning service or whatever. This is a very, very serious and important part of uh, the prayers. It is something that we need to take a little more seriously than uh, most actually know that they should. We should uh, Stand there in awe. We should think about it. We should follow. We should follow in our chumash. We should follow what is being read. If you don't understand all the Hebrew, yes, every good chumash today has good English translations and it has commentaries and you can uh, study it and you can look at it. It's usually on a Monday and Thursday, only really a few lines that one needs to focus on. But that needs to be focused on. On a Shabbat, yes, obviously. On some um, uh, Shabbat Torah readings, it is a lot longer. Some of them are not all that long, but some of them are a lot longer and sometimes very complicated. So pick some of the parts that you're at least going to focus on, you're going to study, you're going to think about um, during this time and focus on the beautiful gift that God gave to each and every one of us, his Torah, his way of our living our lives, making this world a much better place, and enjoy and participate and be serious about those awesome and spectacular moments. 
This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. Hi, and welcome back. Yes, we've been talking about the taking out of the Torah and the Torah being out of the ark and why we read the Torah um, and uh, how it is done publicly and so on. There is another beautiful image which I'd like to share with you, and that is that when the Jewish people went out to war um, while they were um, in the desert, the ark itself very often went out in lead of the Jewish people. The ark containing the tablets of stone, the ark containing the Torah, was brought out as a mechanism of um, instilling terror, fear um, in our enemies. And it was then that they realized that they weren't only up against the Jewish people, but they were up against God. Um, God himself is represented by the Torah. Obviously, God himself is represented by the ark itself, although, albeit the fact that this is not exactly the same ark that we had in the Mishkan, obviously, and we're not talking about the tablets, but we are certainly talking about the Torah written exactly the same as Moshe Rabbeinu, as Moses had written it all of those thousands of years ago. And this is not just our secret weapon, but in fact it is a way of us ensuring and understanding that we are coupled together with God, with his Torah and his mitzvot, as we go forth into our day, into our week, and into our lives. And that the protection that the Torah itself gave to the Jewish people, that the um, ark gave to the Jewish people while they were in the desert is something that we understand that we too have today. That protection, that incredible um, atmosphere of um, um, of being encased in God's um, collective hug, of God's collective um, um, protection that he provides us at every moment of every day. It all comes from and it all stems from the Torah itself, from the Ark itself. And at these moments when the, the Ark is opened, when the Torah is removed from the Ark, and when it is brought to the fore in the way that it is done in Shul and in the, uh, the, the davening and the services when the Torah is actually read. This is, of course, the image of Hashem's Torah coming to encase us. And we, joining with it, are stating that we understand that it is in the merit of the protection of God's Torah and his mitzvot that we ourselves will be able to confront whatever those enemies are uh, within our lives, enemies from within and enemies from without, enemies that are uh, true and real and enemies that perhaps are a little bit imaginary um, and enemies of any nature, whether it's the enemies of materialism or it's the enemies of uh, anti-Semitism, whatever they may be. It is a tremendously powerful protective measure that we read the Torah, that it is done in public, that we show that kind of awe and understanding at the time that the Torah is removed from the ark and that it is brought out and that it is there for us to all participate in, identify with. And at the time that the Torah is taken from the ark, it is traditional, it's important for us to accompany the Torah, to walk kind of in a procession together with the Torah, much like the Jewish people did then, not only when they went out to war, but when the ark um, traveled in the desert, that the whole Jewish people walked together with it. It blazed the trail. It was the one that opened up the passage um, for the Jewish people to forge their way forward. And this is something that the Jewish people need to do, and we continue to do on a regular basis, each and every time that the Torah is read. It is not of paramount importance that you kiss the Torah. That has become a tradition. People uh, reach forward with a corner of their talus, um, or sometimes with a finger, to touch the Torah. We've got to be careful, by the way, 
that we never touch the Torah on the parchment itself. The parchment itself we're not allowed to touch. Even when you're called up to the Torah, we avoid touching the, par- the parchment at all costs. It's one of the reasons why the, our Torahs today have wooden handles. The handles on the bottom are for us to be able to hold it and to roll it and to lift it without touching the parchment. And it is um, always enclosed in a garment, in a covering, to ensure that we don't get to touch the actual parchment when it is being walked to the bimah or back from the bimah to the ark. And um, also at the time that you're called up when the Torah is there and it is revealed and the parchment is out in the open, that the reader would read usually using a pointer of some sorts, um, some tool, a mechanism um, whereby he can point to the words and everybody knows what he is reading um, while they're standing uh, being read to or for. Um, at the uh, at the point of the Torah reading, um, that they actually know what it is, and when we touch the Torah in order to kiss it at that stage, we use the talus. We use the corner of a talus or a piece of the gar- a garment of um, something that wrapped the Torah, the binder um, that would have been used to wrap it. We use that instead of actually touching the parchment. These are all some of the. Uh, modus operandi, um, the ways of um, operating, of uh, being, of behavior when it comes to the Torah. But powerful, powerful image, this Torah being taken out of the ark, walked around the shul, and being read from on every day that it is. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So we've been talking about Torah readings now. The actual idea of calling people up to the Torah is that they themselves are meant to read from the Torah. You're called up actually to read from the Torah. You're not called up to be read to. You're called up to read from the Torah. Now, not everybody is okay with the Torah reading. Um, you have a lot less people wanting to take aliyot, wanting to get called up to the Torah. If uh, we were to say, well, you have to read from it yourself, the lines for which you are called up, there may be some who would take up the challenge, but most of us would get it wrong and we wouldn't be able to read properly. We may embarrass ourselves, not be able to sing in the right intonation because, of course, it's got to be done according to the cantillation notes. It's got to be done according to what, what is known as the trop, the particular tunes that are used and the emphasis that is placed on each word um, has to be correct and has to be right. And uh, therefore, not everybody is okay with it. Not everybody is able to. And so what we have, what has evolved, what has happened with Torah readings is that when you are called up to read from the Torah, the reader, there is a Baal Koreh there, someone who is an appointed reader, knows how to read it, hopefully, and he reads from the Torah. The um, person who is called up needs to actually read along with him. Um, that's not a time to be preparing the after bracha. That's not a time to be looking around to see if your fans are watching you um, at this moment of your glory when you're called up. It's not a time to be waving uh, to your friends in the crowd or thinking about uh, what's going to happen when the sweets are thrown at you, if it's your um, ufruf, your aliyah to the Torah before you get married or whatever the case may be. We need to focus on what is being read to us. So it's traditional that before we uh, have the Torah read to us, it is pointed out usually by the balkore, by the reader, the beginning and the end of the Torah reading that is going to be read for you, you should actually touch and kiss beginning and end um, so that you know that that is the portion, um, touch with your talus, that you know that that is the portion that's going to be read for you 
And then when it is being read, you need to follow. You need to read along with. You should actually try and mouth the words, at least in some sort of an undertone, in a whisper, so that um, you're not actually disturbing the balcore or the people standing around you, um, but rather that it's clear that you have read along, that you've actually read from the Torah together with the reader. And uh, he is appointed as your shaliach. He's actually being appointed as your emissary to read on your behalf. You're the one who's making the brachot. You're making the blessings um, for the reading of the Torah, um, but he is the one who's actually reading on your behalf. So we should not underestimate the power, the strength, and the image of Torah reading as it takes place in our shuls, um, in our minyanim, in our communities, um, on every Monday and Thursday, on every Shabbat, on every festival, on every Rosh Chodesh, on every fast day, both morning and afternoon, on Chol on the intermediate days, on Chanukah, on Purim, on all of these days when the Torah is read, we should value, we should understand the awesomeness of it all. It is a time that mimics the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. It is a time that mimics the uh, ark being carried and leading the Jewish people. It's a, a time that mimics the occasions when the ark led us into battle and how we understand that this is our protection, this is our life, it's our glory, it's everything, our essence. We need to take it seriously when it is actually done for us on a regular basis. Look forward to being back with you again next week, same time, same place, on uh, Wednesday afternoon, just after 2, on Judaism 101.9.